Blame game victims, challenging the four invaders hidden within us. So far in our series, we've looked at and unmasked the four invaders that take residence in our heart, those four parasites that can wreak havoc on our hearts. And those were guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. We've also looked at how to conquer guilt and how to conquer anger. And last time, we started to look at how to conquer greed. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up today. With uh, We're going to finish up on our uh, message on how to uh, conquer greed. And uh, the title of today's message is Dealing with a Very Covert Enemy. Here's a question that you have to ask yourself. Why do I have so much? Now, if you're a human, you're probably thinking right now, I don't have as much as I really want. And you'd be, you'd be one of many. Most people feel the same way. You feel like you never have as much as you want. And we, we mentioned last time that human appetites are such that they can never be fully or finally satisfied. And the, the desire for stuff uh, is no different. In fact, if anything, it would be double everything else. It's an appetite that can never be fully or finally satisfied. But if we just take a minute, and if you shift your focus away from your potential possessions and income, and consider what you actually have, your actual stuff, your actual possessions, and your actual income, chances are that at this stage of life, at this age that you're at right now, you probably have way more than your parents ever had at that same age. And it's most likely more than most people in this world today have. So the question remains, why you? Why do you have so much? And I think this is a question that we really need over time. We need to really just stop every once in a while and force ourselves to, uh, to wrestle with this question. Why? Why must we do this? Well, because we're in a consumer-driven culture, and we are kept laser-focused on what we don't have. I mean, that's what drives this culture. There's a, a, a focus on what we don't have. And when we're focusing on what we don't have, that leaves our hearts very vulnerable to greed. How so, you might ask? Because as long as you're on a quest for more stuff, when that stuff comes along, you'll assume that it's all for you. And as long as you're living for that next purchase or that next upgrade or that next car or that next house or whatever the case might be, that next something, whenever you're living for that, you're actually consuming mentally what you hope to be soon consuming physically. And you're actually anticipating future consumption. And when you have that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset, there's actually very little room for generosity. And before you know it, you'll be building bigger barns, 
bigger garages, bigger homes, or you might even be calling that guy to bring over the pod and set it on your driveway. So, the question's still out there. Why do you have so much? The wealthy landowner that we looked at last time in, that, in the parable that Jesus told, he believed he deserved it. He didn't even, he didn't even think that God could possibly have anything to do with, with his, his uh, amazing crops that he had. And let's assume that you don't, you're not as short-sighted as this guy was. Let's ask the question in this way. Why has God provided you with more than you need? And it may be an uncomfortable question. And if it is, uh, just, just look at this for a minute. In, during your lifetime, in the past, were you, there had to be times when you didn't quite have enough. And at the, during those times, were you ever hesitant to question God about your lack? Were you ever hesitant to pray to God or ask God for things that you did not have? I'm sure that you had no hesitation. You let him know immediately and exactly that you were in need and what you wanted. And, to take it one step further, you probably expected him to provide you with that need or for, with that stuff that you asked him for. And when he came through, what was your response? You thanked him. And you may have even given praise reports to your friends or to other church members uh, about what God did for you. So now that you're on the other side of the coin, now that you have more than enough, why not ask God a question about that? When we don't have enough, we wonder why. Why not wonder why when we have more than enough? Did you ever think about that? The parable of the rich fool makes it all too clear why we have more than we need. But before we even consider that, let's look at our, our options here. What are the possibilities? Could God be possibly up to something else in providing us with more than we need? Perhaps you have more than you need in order to ensure that your children have everything that they need. Is that possibly why God has provided you the way he has? I'm guessing no. In fact, there may be times where giving to your children, giving them a lot of money, generally will do them more harm than good. I mean, we hear stories all the time about money ruining people's lives. Maybe God provided an abundance for you so that you won't have to worry. Maybe he wants you to lean on your accumulated assets 
and stuff to give you a sense of peace. But truth here, I don't think that's the case either. And in general, just speaking generally, the more a person accumulates, generally speaking, the more they worry about it. You see, and peace is a fruit of the Spirit, not a byproduct of accumulated wealth. The more I have, the more I think about it, and the more I worry about it. Isn't that the case? Now, there's another option here. Maybe God has provided you with extra in order to give you a better standard of living, to elevate your standard of living. Maybe he wanted to bump it up a notch or two. After all, isn't that the American way? In, in, in this country, we all enter adulthood with the assumption that our lifestyle should and must keep pace with our income. And thankfully to the credit card industry, many Americans, thanks to the credit card industry, many Americans have found that their lifestyle slightly outpaces their income, some more so than others. Any way you look at it, we are continually urged not to let one lag too far behind the other. And what happens? The result is artificially induced financial pressure. Now, you might say, my financial concerns are very real. They don't feel artificial at all. And the reason they don't feel artificial is because the costs associated with maintaining your lifestyle are all too real. And you really do have to pay your cable TV bill, your cell phone bill, your credit card bill, your mortgage, and the list goes on and on. But why are those bills around? Why do they even exist? Because you've chosen to lead a lifestyle that keeps pace with or many times outpaces your income. You see, because you've convinced yourself that you needed all these things. There are no, these luxuries are actually necessities, and you can't live without them. And that's what the advertisers tell you, and you've bought it hook, line, and sinker. And you see, your inflated sense of what's essential has created financial pressure, but it is artificial pressure. And maybe all that you need to do is cut back your lifestyle a little bit, throttle it back, uh, maybe a notch or two, and you know what? Maybe the pressure just would subside. Think about it. Think about it. Regardless how much a person makes, if he leaves himself no margin, how could there ever be peace of mind? Even worse than that, if all your money is spoken for before you even deposit your paycheck, greed has an all-access pass to your heart. Why? Because in those cases, any extra that comes in 
is already spoken for as well. You are planning way ahead of time to consume it. And when there's no margin financially, there's no way to avoid avarice. And when there's pressure, we have little choice but to think of ourselves first. Me first. And people, that is the essence of greed. And you know, here, here's a truth. Here's a sobering truth. You don't have to actually be, or you don't actually have to have extra to be greedy. As long as you plan to spend whatever comes your way on yourself, you are a candidate for greed. If you allow your lifestyle to keep lockstep with or even surpass your income, you'll find that it's almost impossible, almost impossible to keep greed from taking root in your heart. Now, what about, what about the cases of early retirement? That's another option to consider. Maybe God has provided you with extra income so that you can retire early. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And that's what the wealthy landowner in the parable uh, had in mind. It had never crossed his mind to be generous with his, with his money, and neither did it ever occur to him to be generous with his time. What did he say in Luke 12, 19? And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if you are retired or near retirement, uh, here's something to actually consider. You see, God may have put you in a position where you could now leave your job early. But does that mean he wants you to stop giving? Does that mean he wants you to stop providing for the kingdom? Could it be that he is now giving you the resource of extra time? Maybe he wants you to put that extra time now back into his kingdom. You see? So, you know, you have to really be cognizant of these things. And if you were blessed enough where God blessed you to the point of, uh, of where you could be a, uh, have an early retirement, I, I don't think that it's God's plan for you to be sitting on a beach drinking pina coladas. Now, while that might not be a bad thing to do on occasion... I really believe that if God gave you the potential, uh, the experience, and he allowed you to get out of that rat race early, I think he may be calling you to give back in the way of your extra time. And that's really an important thing, okay? It's, a very, it's really an important thing that you would realize that uh, time, free time, is a resource to be stewarded responsibly. And it's very much as important as giving financially. 
So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Um, and you see, by doing that, by giving back of your extra time, your excess time, your excess finances, you will avoid bigger barn syndrome. And just like that wealthy landowner who ended up with more than he needed, you want to be different in the in you want to be different in how you handle that, in that you ask why. Why did God provide me with more than I need? You see, the landowner, the wealthy landowner, didn't do that. He didn't even believe or consider that God had any hand in it to begin with. He thought he created everything for himself. He's the reason he had the overage. Did not even consider that God was involved in it. Okay, so you don't want to be that way. You want to be wise enough to pause and ask the question, why? Why did God provide me with more than I need? And in time, the answer should become clear to you. And if God's really, really blessing you faster than you anticipated, it may be that he wants to lead you out of the, mar of the, of the workplace earlier than you planned. But, again, you want to ask yourself, why Why do I now have more time and resources than I actually need? And, again, in time, the answer will become clear. And then, when your time eventually runs out, you'll have something to show for it in eternity because you will have been rich towards God. Here's something to consider, too. Think back when you were a kid and, uh, you know, you, you had two cookies, let's say, and you had a sister or a brother. And what did your mom say to you when you're, when you're sitting there with two cookies and your brother or sister was sitting there with none? What, did she tell you to hurry up, eat them, chug them down before your sister or brother could rip it out of your hands? No, absolutely not. She would most likely say, share it. She probably said, share it. And what do you do with your own nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, or, or friends, or siblings, or whatever? I mean, don't you tell them to share? Do you get any, would you get any uh, satisfaction in watch, watching someone eat two cookies in the presence of someone who has, doesn't have any, just doesn't seem right, does it? We would feel compelled to say something. And that's probably why Jesus said, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Matthew 5, 42. Now, can you imagine if you could see the world through God's eyes, from God's point of view? And imagine being able to see everybody in the world that had two cookies and everybody in the world who had none, all at the same time. I think you'd probably say something. You'd probably tell everybody to share. So if God has blessed you with more than you need, it's so that you can share your abundance with those who have a need. And when you can embrace that simple truth, 
it, it is a key to helping you rid your heart of greed. Guilt is conquered with confession. Anger is conquered with forgiveness. Greed is conquered with generosity. And, and generous giving will break the grip of greed on your life. So whether or not you have extra, you need to give and give generously. And here, here's an important truth. This is, again, very sobering truth here. You have to give to the point where it forces you to adjust your lifestyle. You see, if you're not willing to give to the point that it impacts your lifestyle, then according to Jesus, you are greedy. If you're consuming to the point of having little or nothing left to give, you are greedy. If you are consuming and saving to the point that there is little or nothing to give, you are greedy, my friend. And, and that's strong language. Actually, it's very harsh language. But you know what? It's true. And you may think that, wait a minute, this is, this is a little bit more than I can, can, uh, can swallow at this point. Because I've, I don't, I'm not greedy. I never had a greedy thought in my life. And, and maybe you even have compassion every time you see someone in need. And maybe your heart really does want to help. Maybe you want to give, but you just can't. Or maybe you just won't. Why? Because you are afraid you won't have enough. Remember we said that last time. Fear, fear is fuel for greed. But your heart generally goes out to those in need. So is it fair to say that you're greedy? Well, yes, my friend, you, it is very fair. You are greedy. You are a greedy person. And, and why can I say that? Because greed is not a feeling. Greed is a refusal to act. Greed is not a feeling. Greed is a refusal to act. You can feel compassion toward people all you want. Feel, you can feel compassion toward people in need. And you can be as, as, as avaricious as Scrooge was. Greed is not evidence by how you feel, but by what you do. And generous feelings and good intentions do not compensate for a greedy heart. And you know what? Good intentions and greed can cohabit in your heart indefinitely. We saw that in the last episode as well. That's what makes it very challenging to uncover greed because it masks itself. It camouflages itself as being virtuous. And this is what makes this covert enemy of greed such a threat to your heart. Because you may never feel it the same way that you feel anger or guilt or even jealousy. But it's there. And it's very real. And it's very dangerous. And you know what? It can lead to total loss. Greed is a very covert enemy. And you know what? You cannot wait 
to start giving until your fear is giving fear of giving is gone. You can't wait for that. You can't wait till all your fear of giving is gone before you start giving. Giving is the way God chooses to change your heart. So get started on doing. Don't wait until God changes your heart. Start giving before it gets to that point. And as you change, as your heart changes, your attitude and feelings will follow right behind. What does God say in his word? He loves a cheerful giver. And that's actually in the word, it's actually a, a, a cheerful, a hilarious giver. But you know what? He'll put your, your money to use whether you're cheerful or not. The difference comes in your motivation for giving and whether you'll actually receive a blessing or not. God will still use your money, but you may not get the blessing that you want, desire, or that God wants to give you. So, what's the advice here? The advice is give until you get cheerful. If you, if you can't give with a smile on your face today, give with a frown on your face. And then give tomorrow and give the next day and give the next day until you finally get a cheerful smile on your face. And, and like we just said, giving has to impact your lifestyle if it's going to break the power of greed in your life. And the best way to do that, the easiest way to make an impact or a um, lifestyle impact is to become a percentage giver. You know, you get your paycheck, you put it in the bank, or it gets deposited for you into the bank. Make that first check a percentage that goes to uh, where, wherever, wherever you're, you're giving to the kingdom. And right off the top, you give a percentage. And make that the first check that you write. And this is how... Little by little, you will become rich towards God because that first check goes to the kingdom of God. And little by little, uh, you will become cheerful. And by giving, per, by giving a percentage, you will make an impact on your lifestyle. And it will help you by writing that check. It will help you ensure that God's kingdom gets funded ahead of yours. Make it your priority. God's kingdom gets funded ahead of yours. Maybe you need now to live on the leftovers for a change. Now, that may scare you. That may scare you endlessly. So if that's the case... Start with a very small percentage, maybe 1% or 2%, maybe 3%. And you know what? You'll never miss it. And then as you make it a habit, and as you go on, and as you can develop that smile and that cheerful giving, and as you see uh, your attitude of heart changing in the area of giving, then just keep bumping it up and bumping it up and bumping it up. Eventually... Uh, you'll, you'll get to a point where you're giving generously. And you know what? You will not even miss it. It's something about the way this, this system works. When you're in God's kingdom, when you're giving to God's kingdom, it's, it's remarkable how when you're giving generously, 
You don't feel it. The money lasts longer. It's just an amazing thing how God has this worked out. But don't get just hung up. Don't get too hung up on percentage giving, and that's it. You need to also be a spontaneous giver. So when you see someone in need, you need to then jump in and give. You need to put a smile on somebody's face. Isn't that what you expect God to do for you when you're in need? So go ahead, make the first move. If you've got extra and somebody needs something, give, 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 share, 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 and put a smile on their face. That's what your extra is there for. Now, these two habits, and they have to become a habit, reflex habits, reflex actions. You give at a habit. You have a habit of giving. Percentage giving, spontaneous giving. When you develop those two habits, giving percentage-wise and giving spontaneously, you will then be protected from bigger barn syndrome. And, and when the day will come when you receive an unexpected windfall, your first thought will be, who can I help? What kingdom endeavor can I fund? People, that's where you need to be. You need to get to that point where you start thinking when something over and above comes your way, you start looking outwardly on where you can go with your money. Where can you put your money to finance the kingdom and not finance yourself. And in that moment, you'll know that through the habit of generous giving, you have broken the, the power of greed in your life. Giving, generosity, generously giving, is a habit that changes everything. Now, let's go back to something we said last time. Having money is not a bad thing. What's bad is not knowing why you have the money. That's what causes problems. And whether you may be the, the beneficiary of hard work, you may be the beneficiary of good business sense, uh, you may have made good investments, you may have gotten a family inheritance, or you may be just plain lucky. Whatever the, the case may be, there's never ever a reason to feel bad about having a lot of money. And besides, it's not yours anyway. Everything belongs to God. And if you're going to leave it all behind when you die anyway, then one thing is abundantly clear. We are not owners, we are managers. And it's just a matter that some people get to manage more than others. And I think God said it right in his word that, you know, the more you show him that you can handle the responsibility of managing his resources, the more he'll give you to manage. He's not going to give you more to manage if you can't handle what you got now. If you're not managing the resources, finances that he's given you now, why should he give you more to manage? You'll just mess it up. None of us are owners. And as managers, we should never feel guilty for what we have been given to manage. We should, instead of feeling guilty, we should feel responsible. And if you think about financial managers, 
financial planners. Uh, they're a perfect example of this because they manage your money. They ask you what your goals are. They ask you what your goals are so that they know how to manage your money. And if you ask any one of them, are they guilty about having all this money to manage, they would absolutely say no. But they are responsible. They are responsible to you for managing your money in a way that will help you meet your goals. So there's no reason to feel guilty for handling the resources that have been entrusted to you. God owns everything. King David recognized that. And in King David's day, it was a general... Uh, it was generally accepted that the king owned everything and everybody in his realm. But David knew better. He said, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. First Chronicles 29.11 And here's the thing. It's the people who haven't come to grips with God's universal ownership who feel guilty about what they have. Managers don't feel guilty. And here's another thing. People who feel guilty for what they have are very rarely responsible with it. Why? Because they believe it's theirs to do with as they please. And again, the good money manager would ask you what your goals are and what do you want if if if, if you gave him if you gave your financial planner uh, if he received a check from you uh, with no instructions attached what would be the, the proper thing for him to do? Would he go shopping or go on vacation? Now, don't get me wrong. Some have done that, and uh, many are in jail for that. But a good money manager would call you up and ask you, what do you want me to do with, these, with, with this money, with these assets? Because it's your money. So you have to come to terms with the idea that you really are just a manager of someone else's assets. When you can do that, when you can put that in your mind, get that in your mind, you'll be free from the fear of loss in this life. Because it comes, you, you have a freedom that owners never experience. A manager has a, a freedom that owners never experience. And again, you'll be fearful free from the fear of loss in life and you'll be more concerned with avoiding total loss in the life to come. And you know the thing about this too is you really need to get to a point where you are debt free. And you see, when you're debt free and I, I can't even, you know, for any of you who know what it, what it feels like to be debt free, it's so peaceful. And it's so wonderful because you know that, number one, God allowed you to get to that point. You've properly stewarded the resources that God has given you. And you, have, you are now debt-free and you're giving to others. 
And the thing about it is when you, when you get more, you can give more because you're giving cheerfully. And it's a lot easier to give cheerfully when you're debt-free. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that are debt-free that don't give cheerfully, that still keep it all for themselves. But a true giver, giving from the place of being debt-free, uh, there's nothing like it. And you have an absolute freedom and a peace to know that you can manage God's resources and absolutely trust Him for all the overages and what to do with the overage. So... It's just a wonderful place to be. And I'm going to leave you with with a quote. He is not a fool to give up that which he cannot keep to get that which he cannot lose. When you come to terms with the idea that you really are just the manager of God's assets, you will experience a freedom that owners never do. Until next time, God bless and have a blessed week.